The world didn't need another hockey podcast. It needed a better one. Bear witness to the two-man forecheck. Good morning, Chris. Good morning, Mike. Spring is nearly here. We have had our uh, spring forward moment. And yeah, that messed me up this morning. Sorry about that. <laughs> that means we get to listen to people complain about the time change for at least three weeks. Oh, yeah, we lost. I lost an hour of sleep. You realize after the first, you know, 24, 48 hours, your body adjusts and you don't notice it anymore. Are you sure about that? I mean, you'd think the way people carry on until like July 4th, that it was the most terrible thing ever and that they were literally being tortured. I'm going to th- I'm thinking that's more, uh, I don't know, like psychosomatic or something. I think that. Oh, great word. Love that word. I think it's more in their heads. Uh, your body tends to. Adjust. I mean, like I, I overslept this morning. And I apologize for that. But it's not going to happen again. It's not going to happen again tomorrow. And for the next three months, your body adjusts to the clock. So, yes, it's a psychosomatic thing. But anyway, we're here to talk about hockey, not whether we're going to get up on time every week. <laughs> Um, so in talking about hockey, we could talk about defensemen potentially or potentially available. We could talk about flames past, present, and possibly future. Uh, we could talk about possibly the fall beginning in, uh, in uh, Carolina. We can talk Mm -hmm. about the abs. Where do we want to go? We really don't have a lead here, so let's just kind of. Let's just take it with Johnny right off the top. Okay, so for two years, we've been told, oh, Goudreau is going to be a UFA. He's going elsewhere. He's cashing in. They're really not happy with him. Definitely going to go. Definitely going to go. Definitely going to go. Somebody's lying to you. I think I think that person, whichever person that was, would say, well, circumstances changed. And by that mean that, you know, Goudreau had a couple of down, had a down year or so, and now he's back to being Johnny Hockey. Uh, We mentioned, I believe it was a week ago or two weeks ago, that he's already climbed into the top five in scoring for for the uh, Flames. Yes. Headline comes out this week. He might actually get a chance to climb a little bit higher. Um, Travelling says the deal will take care of itself. Um, okay. A, the deal is not going to take care of itself. I'm doing air quotes. It takes communication between the two parties to get the deal done. Communication and agreement. (laughs) Oh yes. And agreement. Yes. You need agreement for a contract to be official. Yes. Because and what makes this more interesting is that it let unless the cap is going up a significant amount and the owner and ownership hasn't announced how much they expect to allow it to go up by, it makes it harder to sign other guys whose contracts are going to be up this year. I will say I don't expect an increase in salary cap probably for another year or two. Just I think they're still coming out of the 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 pause or the effects of it. Um, I know we've had people in the building all season, but 
I'm going to guess that it's probably going to stay flat for another year. And then the season afterwards, we might have an increase. But still, he's already making six and three quarter. He's going to go up to what? Minimum of eight and a half, nine. Assuming it's the Johnny Hockey of this season, probably, yeah. Like, the dude who sets the standard, yeah. I mean, he... I will say they've done a fabulous job. The highest paid player on that team is Kachuk at seven. And, oh, by the way, he's an RFA at the end of the year with our, with arbitration rights. And that's that's one of those players who... That's one of those players who needs to be signed and around whom there is also a great deal of speculation because you've got the Italian Stallions also an RFA with arbitration eligible rights. Oh, your boy. Andrew Mangiapane. Um, He's already at two and a half million. Uh, You've got to come up. And Nikita Zadaroff is uh, is a free agent UFA. I don't expect Good Branson or uh, Stone to be huge, <coughs> huge trouble to resign. I don't but, know what Zdorov has done, but if Colorado is willing to trade you away as a defenseman. Uh, and then, of course, after that, they're only one season away from Monaghan needing to be resigned. Um hmm. Not sure what's going on with Milan Lucic. He's seemed better this season than last. Mm-hmm. But at 33 today and 35-ish when his contract expires, it's uh, hard to say if a team is going to be willing to open the wallet for him. I'm just worried about the end of the year because you're already – up against the cap number at this season here. This season, yes. This season. At the players' current salaries, they are up against the cap number. These Correct. players are going to get raises. And like you said, unless there's a, 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 unless they go up on the cap, which I'm not expecting, I'm not a capologist, so don't quote me, but just based on the eyeball test, I don't think it's going to happen this year. I think they're going to want to recoup some money and then they might go up the year after. I don't know how much choice the league has if they're, if the revenue is there. And remember last year you were still with the NBC deal this year with the year, year with ESPN. Yeah. And there's just plain more exposure. You're on TNT, you're on ESPN. Um, You've got weekly games on a channel that act, that people actually watch. Um, I think there's more revenue than most teams are willing to admit, even before you get to the people, the butts in the seats and, you know, people passing by and walking into the into the pro shops. Um, OK, but cap is what, 81 and a half or something like that? Yeah. So they're, like I said, right up against it. Their projected cap space is all of $175,000. You can't sign a, a water boy for that kind of money. Um, uh, no, there's, well, there's not much they can do as far as acquiring people without moving contracts out. So if, if Kachuk's going to get an up, Kachuk's going to get a raise. Well, I mean, that, in that case, you're looking at next year's space. As of right now, they have twenty-seven and a twenty-seven thousand, uh, twenty-seven million fifty thousand in cap space. 
with 12 players signed. Now, that doesn't equal a lot of big contracts. So if you assume it's eight and a half for Goudreau and even call it eight and a half for Kachuk. That's 17. That leaves you $10 million to get Mangiapane. Well, it leaves you $10 million to fill the other uh, eight places on your roster. That's not especially fruitful math. Thank you. Uh, I don't claim to be the world's foremost mathematician, but I know that that's not great. It uh, averages you out to about one and one 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 million one hundred twenty-five thousand dollars a player. Yes, roughly. and that means that Zadarov is probably gone. Even Good Branson might be gone. It's good news that you have your uh, your two, your two goalies signed for next year. Um, you currently have, but yeah, I suspect even though the Flames are in good position now and actually have the potential to take over the top spot in the West before the end of the year, uh, because not only because of their own good play, but because of other teams misfortune, I suspect, yeah, we might, it would not surprise me if between now and the draft or even at the draft, we see one or more of these RFAs with arbitration rights moved. You pretty much have to, if you're going to resign Goudreau. Um, I mean, the only other option uh, to me, as far as moving forwards out is probably, uh, is probably Monaghan. But the thing is, it's not just moving one of the players because moving Shillington doesn't do you no it has it has to be be significant yes has to be significant although i mean shillington this year has 25 points in 56 games although with monaghan's retreat in the stats you're probably not going to get rid of his whole cap hit Mm -hmm. um not unless you trade him to a, a team that's looking to get to the cap floor uh, and you're going to have to give up a first round pick with him um, that or retain much of his salary because he went from 82 points in 78 games back in the 18-19 season to this season he's at 58 games with 22 points that's uh, not an especially promising trajectory for your alternate captain. Mm-hmm. Um, but hang we're, So we're certain hanging on to Goodrow is is what is, is the ultimate goal here. Because yes, if again, over over the last few years, there have been uh, more than one occasion where I've heard rumors of trades and going back to New Jersey and uh, coming east. And I've heard. I heard we heard Chicago here and there at one point, and it would be interesting to have him and Kane on the same power play. And yes. by interesting, I do mean lethal. Yeah. As long as you got the right center on that, because neither one of them is any good at it. Being a center, that is. Uh, neither one of them is a great is a good faceoff man, but both of them can pass the puck well. Uh Yes, but 
since face-offs are somewhat important. Yeah. Yeah. Especially when you're on like a man advantage. So Goudreau is has been there his entire career. Yeah. He's 28 years old today. I'm just saying we're pretty sure that keeping him is is the if if the story if this story is right and Travelling actually gets his way, how long of a contract are you signing him for? He's five nine hundred sixty five pounds. He'll be twenty nine years old this August. Twenty eight. Uh, let's go. You going a full eight? No. Six at eight and a half or six. Yeah. Get him up to get him up. Bump him up to the third. Bump him up to the. Um, bump him up to the, the 35 plus window. Because after that, it's contracts are one year, two years. That's it. So I'm thinking six year. I'm thinking six year deal. What if he want? What if he says eight or nothing? I want eight at eight and a quarter or nothing. Eight at eight and a quarter. That's 64. That's 68 million. Eight years, 68 million. Uh, no, 66 million. Something like that. Yes. I mean, I don't mind. Do, I don't mind doing it and going into. I'm just thinking from a standpoint of you can at thirty at, at the when you hit that thirty five threshold, you know, you're signing him. You're not. I'm I'm imagining that the offensive skills are going to. Although if you watch Joe Pavelski, who will if get you watch, to? There's a lot of guys in the league in the last five years who just haven't had that fall off. I mean, look at Ovechkin. First of all, Joe. Yes, look at Ovechkin. He'd be example number one. But Joe Pa, and like I said, we're going to get to him. But his numbers this year, ridiculous. And the the, th- the weird thing with him is he's never been that great a skater. So you'd really expect him to have dropped off in the last two or three years. I could I could go eight at at the right dollar amount. I could go eight. I I'm not wild about it. But if you if Tre Living is seriously. It, it, if he's serious about keeping Johnny in house, then, then yeah, you go the eight if that's what he wants. But the dollar number's got to be right. I'm not going eight at nine or eight at ten, not for Johnny. Well, eight at, at ten would be prohibitive if you don't know for sure the cap is going up at least two million this next year, which I don't think it's going to go up quite that much. Um, I. I like the move and, you know, as much as everyone expected him to get just mashed on a regular basis. That was the big thing coming out of college was his size and just how physical could he, how, how much physicality could he take? She's not really missed a lot of time. Like the 16, Agreed. 17 season, he only played 72 out of the 82 games, but Every other season, he's really not missed more than two or three games. 
like 14-15 was his first first real year in the season in the series season in the league. Wow. Um, he had played just one game the year before, but he played 80 games in that in that season. 15-16-79, games, 18-19-82, um, 19-20 he played in 70 games, and that was, that was of course, a season where everything was shortened. Um, not his best season, but still managed 58 points. Um, last season, 49 points in 56 games, and this year he's right back to pre-pandemic. Uh, 78 points in 58 games uh, to date, and a plus 44. Um, really hard to complain about his production this year. True. And as we said, he's already in the top five in scoring for the team. He's four goals away from 200. He's 12 game, no, 22 games away from 600. Um and 26 points away from 600. He's he's just under a point per game player, despite two seasons dipping below that uh, in the uh, pandemic era. Okay. I think they. I, I honestly, I think they keep him. I don't think that he, they're going to trade him. I never, I never believed any of the rumors about him going east or going here or going there. Would it have been nice to see him in Boston? You know, he played here in Boston College. We saw him grow. Sure. Would he like to go home and play in front of his family in New Jersey? I'm betting he would. But Calgary's been his home for the last seven, eight years. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I mean, and I don't see Brad moving on him, especially since the production is still there. But his number is going to drastically affect what they do with Kachuk, what they do with Mangiapane, what they do with the other six players, eight players that they've got to use to fill roster spots. So, yeah, is Nikita Zadorov gone? Most likely. Shellington, I don't know how you're going to keep. I don't know how you're going to keep more than one or possibly two of the guys who are expiring this year without moving more than one other guy. Like, if you somehow manage to keep hold of Kachuk and Goudreau, Mangiapane needs to be moved. But Mangiapane's riding career highs in... Which means game, you'll get a bigger return for him. In goals, assists. Uh, he's one below his career high in assists. He's 29 goals this season, which is... Uh, <clears throat> All of a sudden, he's found out that the net is six feet wide, and he can use all six feet of it to, to, to score. Or Wait, something you don't because, have to actually shoot the puck through the through the crest on on a goalie. Well, I mean, his 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 growth curve is is going up at like forty five degree angles. I guess he went from eight in eight goals in forty four games. In the eighteen nineteen season, last two year in nineteen twenty before the the pause, he had seventeen goals. Last year, in in twelve less games, he had eighteen goals. This year, in fifty eight games, he now has twenty nine goals, which is eleven more. It, his he's going upward. He, he, I don't know that they move him. And for okay, the dollar so amount, why would you? Well, you're going what. At this pace, you're going to have to pay him. I don't know what the pay increase will be. 
is he going to hold out for four, five four, million? Four, four and a half is. I mean, I, I was thinking four, four and a half. I mean, we're talking. A thirty goal, thirty goal scorers are not particularly easy to find. His distribute his. The scary thing is, is like his passing from the games that I've seen, and just based on his assist total, mm-hmm. probably a little worrisome. He's never in five seasons in the league. He's never had more than fifteen assists. Yeah, and he's at fourteen now. Compared to his 29 goals. Yeah. Which means that, yes, he's getting the puck in the net, but he might be costing you goals by not getting it to other players. Okay. Not that that doesn't happen, but I think... Obviously, there's a case to be made for moving anyone. If Gretzky and... Or can be traded. Literally anyone else can. And anyone who tells you otherwise is out to lunch. I'm not saying they. I'm not saying they. They. They shouldn't or couldn't. I'm just saying I don't think they will. But if you're going with okay, your three biggest names or four biggest names are Kachuk, Gaudreau, Mangiapane, and uh, if you want Zadorov, because. The rest of them are one of those four has to be moved. Uh, my guess is they're going to move Zador, move on Zadorov. If you also move Mangiapane, that certainly frees up money to get in. Your price per player goes up from one and a one and one point one two five to say two or something. You know, maybe you can bring in better caliber players. I don't know. That's all I'm yeah. saying. And that's fair. Now, we talked about uh, the – we mentioned the Flames have the potential to move into first place. Uh, that's unfortunately because the Avalanche are going to be without both uh, Jamie Landeskog and Sam Girard uh, for the – almost for the duration. Um, Girard is out four weeks. Um Landeskog is out indefinitely. Uh, that's there's 23 games and seven weeks left in the season for the Abs. Okay. Big question. Abs are currently in first place in the West. Are they in first place in the West when the season's over? Oh. I mean, I the, the offensive right. the offensive firepower that they have, McKinnon, Rantanen, uh, McCarr is still. Uh, I think they can. I haven't seen how close it is. In they're eight points up on Calgary with one more game played. Um, okay. They are twelve points up on St. Louis with one more game played. Uh, Minnesota has played two less games, but is 15 points back. Yeah, no. I think this is a really tough one, because if they suffer one more injury, the answer is no. Like, 
I would agree. If, if I would have to say is, it's a hard no. Somebody else goes down, yes, then I don't think they're doing I don't think they're pulling a coocher off here either. So. No, these are these are legit injuries with legit timelines. I Unlike, I think it's hard to maintain. It's bet, I mean, depends on what you do at the trade deadline. If you move, end up moving someone out of the roster and who's playing significant minutes at this point, it's going to impact everyone around them and around the new player. Well, the, I mean, injuries, just, in, the injuries alone impact whether you can make certain moves or not, so... Absolutely. I mean, right now, and this is stunning to me, despite the fact that we've talked about him a couple of times already this year, Nazem Kadri leads the Colorado Avalanche in, in points. Does he's he five up plus, on. Does he's he five up plus on minus two? I haven't looked at that. No, he's not leading in plus minus. Um, oh. I believe that's Devin Tays. Oh, that's right. Okay, yeah. Devin Tays has Tays a is in top five in the league, actually. Devin Tays, 44 in 48 games with 45 points. And this guy was <laughs> basically thrown away by the Islanders not very long ago. And basically, and was effectively thrown away by the, I want to say he, is this the one who was a, who was briefly a, a Chicago Blackhawk too? I drafted by no, he was drafted by the Islanders. Okay, so yeah, he's um he's doing good things there. That that there is my understatement of the week. Doing good things. Doing good things. Yeah. So he so he took the catchphrase "do better" to heart and has been doing better. Yes, yes, he has. He probably listens to the show. Oh, good. Excellent. Welcome aboard, Devin. Keep up the good work. I just, I, I okay. One more. Yeah, I don't think that there's, I don't think there's a whole lot of, wiggle room here I think they can hang on to it they've got the offensive okay today they play the Flames yeah 6 p.m. Mountain Time they play the Kings this week the Sharks might even have Ladar in that next week is pretty soft they have the Oilers Canucks and Flyers then they play Minnesota on the 27th Calgary again on the 29th the Sharks again on the 31st Mm-hmm. I mean, assuming you give the Flames both wins, you give the Kings the win. Um, starting April the 2nd, they play Pittsburgh on the 2nd and on the 5th. The 2nd is at home and the 5th is in Pittsburgh. Um. That's going to be – I think they're a better team than Pittsburgh still. Who? Uh, Colorado. Um, yes. 
they are a better team than Pittsburgh. Then they go to Winnipeg, or then they're at Winnipeg on the 8th and at Edmonton on the 9th. Uh, that Edmonton game smells like a trap. It, okay. Um, so that's, we'll call that four losses. Um, the next week, uh, and then for th- then they have the three days off. Uh, so 13th and 14th, they're playing the Kings and the Devils. You're giving them a lot of losses. You don't. You're not giving Colorado a whole lot of uh, credit here. I'm. I've given them four losses in ten games. Relax. Um. So L.A., New Jersey, and then Carolina on the 16th. I'm. I'm going to give them. To, I'm going to give that one to Carolina. Even on the road, unless that's a back-to-back for them, and I don't believe it is. Um, then you've got Washington, Seattle, and Edmonton the next week. That should be that should be a clean sweep. Um, last week of the season starts off with Winnipeg on Sunday, St. Louis on Tuesday, the Predators on Thursday, and Minnesota on Friday. Now. Based on today's standings, which are at least somewhat likely to change, Minnesota could well be fighting for second place or even just to keep their playoff spot because there's only two points between them and Nashville. Uh, So that last game of the season could mean a whole bunch to Minnesota. Yeah. And potentially not much to the Avalanche. Um, the Preds, uh, the Preds are in the same situation. Those two could be fighting for home ice advantage in the first round. So you're quite likely to see both teams come at, come out, uh, and go all at it. St. Louis, those are two, three, those are two, three, and four in the West in that last week. Those are the four teams directly, the three teams directly behind the Avalanche today. Every single one of them is going to want to make, want to make a statement. Calgary, St. Louis, Minnesota. Well, yes, they they should all want to make or, statements. You want to? I just I I think that maybe I'm giving Colorado too much credit. I don't know. I I just think that yes, Sam Gerard and I really like Sam Gerard. Yes. Landis Gog, and I do like Landis Gog, but I don't know that they are. If you told me that they lost instead of Landis Gog and Gerard, they lost McKinnon and McCarr, then I'd say, yeah, that then I don't think they'd hang on to it. I just, I. Who is the next most physical forward on? On the uh, Colorado Avalanche. The next most physical forward. It's Nazem Kadri. I don't even have to look at the rest of the roster. It's Nazem Kadri. Yeah, I'll go with that. Nazem Kadri, who also has, is A, leading the team in scoring. Yeah. And B, has a reputation nearly as uh, colorful as Brad Brad (laughs) Marshawn. So, he's at 58. He's at 58 penalty minutes already this season. Okay. Not a huge amount in the league history, but it means something today. 
um, without McKin- without Landeskog in the lineup, I think that Nazem Kadri might start might go back to attempting to do too much, which is how he's gotten into trouble most of his career. And if he takes a couple of stupid penalties, loses three games to a suspension, um, that that changes the equation. Do I know that that's going to happen? No. I, I, I think I, it's, that's what I was going to say. That's a that's that's a big assumption to assume that somebody's going to get suspended. I don't think it's a big assumption. I think that based on his career history, it's a likely situation. And by that, I mean there's a 30 to 45 percent chance that it could happen. OK. Um, I'm so, no, I don't think it's clear cut that they're going to hold on to first place. Do they have a great lead? Absolutely. Do they have a team that is just bulldozing competition most nights? Yep. Is it going to be a fun story to talk about for the rest of the season? Yes. Um, Is the success of the other players on the team this year covering up the fact that Nathan McKinnon has an 8.8 shooting percentage? Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, he's got – I don't know what's going on with him. Wow. 8.8. Is Okay. And then the number one question, is this going to be – much more entertaining and nerve wracking for the fans watching that Calgary can close the gap. Uh, yes. Oh, if Ca- like instead if Calgary- of having instead of having a team running away with it, you're going to have a tight race to the end of the season. If Calgary closes the gap, I won't say it completely resets the okay. expectations for the Western Conference. Mm-hmm. I will say. They're playing with house money at that point. Yes, there'll be pressure because they proved themselves that good. But when you talk about overcoming a 12-point lead in seven weeks, that that all by itself is free drinks for all summer uh, for any of the players who stay in town. 12-point. Sorry, nine points. Uh Eight points, 87, uh, 87 points for Colorado, 79 for Calgary at this point. So it's an eight-point Sorry, point. I'm taking it's, the wrong team. No, that's all right. So it's an eight-point lead. I, I mean, don't get me wrong. St. Louis is four points behind Calgary. So if you're looking at, at top spots, you know, as far as uh, jockeying for position, it, you could throw St. Louis in the mix. I'm not as St. Louis has the I'm not as sold on St. Louis as some people. I, I think Villa Hugh, I think as long as they keep playing Villa Huso in net and not having any kind of um, brain cramp and going back to Bennington. Who? I, I, yeah. Who? Yeah. Mm. So if they deal, yeah, deal him away. I don't know. I, I don't think they'll deal him away. I think he's solid backup. But anyway, so. I think that Calgary is going to be putting pressure on Colorado. Yes. And that's going to make it a fun and entertaining and very nerve wracking for Colorado fans. End of the season. (laughs) Absolutely. Uh, Before we dive into the rest of the NHL stuff, um, Mm -hmm. Paralympics are going on. And last night, 
there was a beating on the ice as USA met Canada uh, in Wait, sled hockey. Oh, is, I, I was going to say, did, was there boxing? I thought that was in the Summer Olympics. It is in the Summer Olympics, uh, and it wasn't particularly warm last night, so there's no room for confusion. But but there was still a beating. Okay. USA Paralympic hockey team brought home their fourth gold in a row by beating Canada five to nothing. Uh, and if if I read the story correctly. Um there was a South Hadley native on the sled hockey team who got three assists last night. Uh, yep. Yep. There's a, uh, there's a good amount of Massachusetts in, <laughs> in good hockey teams. Yeah. You see that it, it's not, it, it's not just men's hockey. It's not just women's hockey. It's all hockey. You yep. want to be here in new England. You want to be here. Bring your children here. Have your children here. Find find a New England native uh, to have your kids with, and uh, they'll play. They'll play professional hockey. They'll play in the Olympics. It's a given. It's a given. Okay. Mm-hmm. I'm actually trying to find the young man's name, and I apologize. Ah, Kyle Zitch, South Hadley's Kyle Zitch, and that's three assists. Just wanted to get his name into the show because. He deserves three, it. three assists in a night when you scored five goals. Hell yeah, you you deserve it. Plus the fact that you know you oh that was in the that was in the semifinal. I apologize. The headline popped up in the middle of all the gold medal games, but still, hey, congratulations! Three assists and that was an eleven nothing beating. By the way, it seems like there's the competition has not quite caught up to Team USA in sled hockey yet. Uh, for the sake of people on everywhere, I kind of wish that there were no need for the Paralympics. So I'm okay with non-competition. Okay. I can second that. Uh, but I, to achieve gold medal on international stage, congratulations, guys. Seriously. Absolutely. Great job. So where are we going next? Do we want to talk about the Canes? Do we want to talk about the trade rumors? Do we want to talk about some extensions? Uh, let's see. We've, You know what? Since I foreshadowed it and it kind of fits in with what we're talking about, let's go to um, – let's go to Joe. Joe I, I saw this story. I was prepared to be ridiculous, to think it was just plain ridiculous, and start dumping on the stars. Then I saw what the actual contract was and looked at where, looked at his production. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to complain about here. I'm not saying it's a non-story, but at 37 years old, Joe Pavelski is leading the Dallas Stars in scoring. Yes, he is. Has the most assists, like second on the team in goal scoring, um, power play goals, game-winning goals, 14.8 shooting percentage. Um, my, 
if I'm a Dallas Stars fan, I'm wondering why the heck Tyler Sagan or where the heck Tyler Sagan is. He's got 18 goals through 56 games. Um, Rupe Hints is Rupe doing Hintz is good, a, I yeah. guess. Between Rope Hints, Jason, and it leads you to believe. It, it, first off, it leads me to question which line is actually the number one line because you've got Sagan, Ben, and well, there's whoever else. But this ahead, line is this line is crazy good. We're talking Pavelski centering Henson Robertson. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, well. I guess it depends on whether you're counting number one by cap hit or by production. 160, and, 160 points for the three players on that line. 160. That's not a terrible total. Thank you. <laughs> but you look at the rest of these players, and there's guys who you kind of expect more from. On 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 the stars, absolutely. Um, I mean. The back, the goaltending is actually not let, is not letting them down. Braden Holtby is not at his career best, but you know, crawl, climbing back to a nine thirteen after his down years, mm-hmm. um, nothing to be ashamed of. Like a nine thirteen save percentage isn't going to win you a Vesna, but it's certainly going to keep you employed in the league. Um, Fair enough. I would, I would, I would, in, I would be inclined to agree. I mean, last year he had an 889 in Vancouver, and the year before that he was an 897 in Washington. Washington. Um, His 913 this year is his best save percentage since the 16-17 season where he had a 925. Um, It's it's good for him that that he's climbed back. Mm -hmm. But you look at some of the other guys – Braddock Foxa is someone that, you know, you need to that needs to be producing more. Alex Radulov needs to be producing more. Um, Dennis Garyanov is someone we were told was going to produce a lot more. Um, and I mean, Garyanov is 24 years old. Um, during the 1920 season, he had 20 goals, nine assists uh, for 29 points. This year, he's got nine goals through 53 games. I somehow suspect he's not going to make up that 11 goal gap in the next 11 games. It, it just doesn't feel likely to me. Alex yeah, I'm not. I'm not feeling it. Yeah, I'm not feeling it. <laughs> I mean, you look at Radulov. He had 72 points in both the 17 and 18 seasons. Uh, threatened 30 goals both times. Last year, he had all of 12 points in 11 games, which is good. You know, when he was on the ice, and the year before, 60 games, 34 points. This year, he's not only retreated to 18 points with just three goals in 51 games, he is a career-worst minus 13. Um, To say that he needs to be better, that's like saying gravity sucks. I mean, I mean, how much money are is the team 
overpaying for these players. It's so to Zion Pavelski. So 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 at thirty seven years old, signing Pavelski to a five point five million dollar one year contract is is okay for you. I'm I'm good with it, but I've been good with it since I read it. I, I was like, with the way he's with the way he's performing on a team that probably should be all in. The only problem is right now they're on the outside looking in. Well, they're on the, the outside of- looking in because I mean between Vasca at six and a quarter, mm-hmm. Sagan at nine point eight, Ben at nine and a half, um, and then Gary out of two and a quarter, um, Essa Lindell five point eight. You've got almost a third of a cap in seriously underperforming players. So wait, wait. When the 37-year-old is outperforming everyone, the 30-year-old, the 30-year-old, the 32-year-old captain, the the 30-year-old center has only got 32 points in 56 games. That would be your Tyler Sagan. Tyler Sagan is, is as much a center as Matt Grizzlick. I mean, come on. He 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 takes faceoffs. And I, I didn't say he wins them, but he takes them. But let's see. So Joe is 37 years old and has, oh, wait, 60 points. So he's doubled almost what Sagan's doing. That's seven years his senior. I, I just, I, I, yes, this team has questioned. This team needs to be questioning where. Everybody, why isn't everybody performing? Because you got one line, and and we've seen it here in Boston when when only one line is performing, you're not and gonna you're not gonna get very Boston, far. Boston, we've seen it in like 32 teams for the last for our entire life. You have to have other players, and yes, Robertson, Robertson, Hints, and Pavelski have 160 points, and where is the rest of you know? Uh, yeah. We, we talked about Kiviranta, who looked really good for, like, I don't know, 15 minutes. And, and the thing is. Now, not so much. If you want to make, if you're. If you're Jim Nill and you're willing to admit that there's issues with this team. How do you solve them? Ben has three more years at nine and a half. Do you think anyone's picking up that whole contract? I don't. <laughs> no, neither do I. I don't think I don't even think Sagan's movable at 9.8. 9.8 through the end of the 2026 season. Neither one of those is movable. Even if you keep half if you kept half of their if you okay, if you trade if I'm say, I don't know. Okay, if say let's say I'm a team that needs to rebuild and I need to get to the uh, I need to rebuild or I want some star power or I firmly believe that I can a shake down Jim Nil and mm-hmm. b um b want more prospects and or picks. If you told me okay, we will trade you if you're if I get a call from Jim Nil and I'm the GM of the the Kraken. 
Yeah. And he's and Jim Neal says to me, "Okay, we need to get uh, Sagan out of town. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to keep half his salary. We're going to trade you a second round pick. We're going to trade you. Uh, let's see, Artem uh, Grushnikov. So I'm Ron Francis right now. I'm just doodling. And you are going, and what we need back is a solid B prospect. I'm still just doodling. And guess what? I don't blame you. I'm still just doodling. Yeah. I really don't blame you. I'm sorry. What name did you say again? <laughs> I'm sorry. I was I was busy here. This Sudoku puzzle is really killing me. What was that again? <laughs> You want me to take Tyler who? Jamie who? Aren't they underperforming on your team? <laughs> Tell you what. You give me Tyler Sagan. This year, this year's first round pick. Next year's second. And I'll send you <laughs> Ryan Donato. Uh, that might be overpayment. <laughs> Ryan Donato has 12 goals no, this season. I meant overpayment by the Kraken given that contract. Future considerations, perhaps? Future Poland. <laughs> Ryan Donato has 12 goals this year. 12. Yeah. How many does Holland have? Not that Donato's a center, I get it, but. Mm. Neither is Tyler Sagan, but details, details. Okay. <laughs> and on that note. Tyler Sagan has 18. So it's not actually completely terrible. But I really, really, really have to question what the what the collective is doing with their off time. Yeah. I. I and, oh, just one last question before we move on, because I love one last question sometimes. Yes, after sir. we after tearing this apart and, and seeing how much they're overpaying Sagan and how much they're overpaying Ben and you know, whether Pavelski at the end of the year, <clears throat> as a man who is on a line that is actually producing and has 55 points in 49 games, how are they going to pay Jason Robertson? Because clearly uh, you're not going to give him a raise from nine and a half, nine hundred fifty thousand or whatever it is he's currently making. He's not going up to like two million. He's probably going up to like mid fives. That hey, there's been rumors all season that uh, that uh, oh, no, I'm sorry. was going to be moved. Seven hundred ninety-five thousand. If you can move, the, the, the only way you're going to pay Robertson at this point is by moving Sagan or Ben. Or not re-signing Klingberg. Oh uh, no no I I I think that given everything, Dallas would be wise to just cut bait at this point and move Klingberg. I mean they're in fifth in the in the central. There's no they want place out of a wild card spot though. Their team does not have the ponies unless Tyler Sagan turns into the Tyler Sagan that was still good several years ago when Jamie Ben comes along with him. Um, yes, they have three games in hand on Vegas, but 
which of those teams do you honestly think is performing closest to their true selves? The Dallas Stars or the Vegas Golden Knights? I think the Dallas Stars are performing closest to their true selves. Yes, I was just about to say I the think same Vegas thing is still actually underperforming. And oh, I think they are way injuries. underperforming. I don't know what the hell's going on there. Well, they still have some serious injuries. Stone has been out forever. Yeah, okay. Stone is scheduled to come back the minute the season ends, so don't give me that crap. That's a Kucherov move. But they he, they still don't have him on the ends. And no, they don't, but they do have Eichel, and if you're going to tell me that Well, Stone Eichel has only been playing for three weeks at this point or so, and is still rounding back into form. But Riley Smith is out. Um, forget who is the other really? player. Yes. I missed that one. Uh, and Jack Eichel's only up to eight points in 12 games. Oh, and Leonard's out as well. In 12 games, okay. Leonard's out as well, which kind of hurts, even though he's not having his best season. Yeah, he's been, I don't know what's up with him this season. I mean, I've seen him at times. I've watched, I've watched a couple of games where he's looked fabulous, but I've seen a couple of games where he's looked eh, questionable too. Yeah. I don't know what's going on there. I know uh, that I know that he and Flurry were pushing each other. I don't know if losing Flurry kind of because if you don't have somebody pushing you, you get a little more comfortable. I'm not saying that he's gotten comfortable, but he's also not feeling the pressure of you know somebody right behind him. The quality of a Flurry taking you know that could take his job. Yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what it is, and I'm not going to speculate whether it's something physical, some sort of communication, something, right? Uh, or it, you know, given that he's been, given the seasonal change that changes there, and how much that affects your body chemistry, yeah. maybe his medications need some tweaking um, in order for him to get. If it's a focus issue. Um, or confidence issue that might be part of it. There's there's a lot of factors. True. I'm not um, gonna disagree based on work that I've done in the past. So now one of the interesting things that I tripped over in the last couple of days is the potential for both Brock Besser and PK Subban to land in the black and gold. <laughs> okay. Now. Eight years ago, I would have said yes, 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 yes to P.K. Subban and probably driven him. Uh, well, to I the thought we, we actually a few years ago were pushing for that to happen before he ended up in uh, New, New Jersey. Yeah. Well, there was that trade for him to Nashville, which I never thought was going to work. Um. Not because he's a bad player, but because he's just not. Didn't they just want him out of Montreal, though? For baffling, or because they listened to the wrong player, but... For absolutely, for absolutely the foolish reasons, yes. But um, he's he's on the docket, according to various rumor sheets. Wow. Okay. And like I said, five years ago, absolutely. As a... As a as the driving engine for the second power play unit, 
or even the first, I would love it. Love it. Okay. Uh, at his cap hit, hard to justify as much as I like the player. I'm not loving his cap. Um, to but, you know, based on, based on his production right now and mm-hmm. last year and the year before – yeah, and the huge decline it's taken since the seventeen eighteen season is uh, second to last, or his second season in Nashville, where he went from fifty nine points in eighty two games uh, down to eighteen in in eight in nineteen twenty in sixty eight games. Now, admittedly, the New Jersey Devils are not over blessed with offense. But, I mean, their top scorer is Jesper Bratt, who's at 55 points um, in 54 games. Yes, we talked about him. Last week. Because Um, somebody had to. Somebody had to talk about Jesper Bratt. Absolutely. It was him. But I I don't, I can't justify his cap hit. I mean. His remaining remaining cap hit is what? 2.1 mil. And no. If he wants to come here in the offseason, sign a one and a half million dollar contract with a bunch of bonuses, if they hit the playoffs or he he hits 10 goals, 12 goals, whatever the threshold they want to set is. Awesome. Uh, I'm not sure who they'd move out to place him, but. I I can't. (sighs) If he had a ring. I would consider it. Where are you going to play him, first of all? Well, aside from the power play, very Carlo, Carlo Grizzlick. Riley is third, then Forbort is your fourth. Okay, it depends on who's. It, for me, it would depend on who you're playing. If you're playing a team like St. Louis, I want Forbort in there because of the physicality and the size. If you're playing Clippy, if you're playing a smaller team, a less physical team, I'll cheerfully let Subban play that game Um, because he's a superior passer. He's got far better offensive instincts. But he's not. I, I don't think he, in my opinion, he's not a top four defenseman anymore. I don't think forward is a top four defenseman. I think he's closer to it than Subban at this point. Defensively, yes, he's probably he's almost certainly better. Offensively, no. If you give them equal weapons, no. Um, I don't. I, I guess I just don't trust Subban's defensive game anymore. I mean, and that's why I would say that's why I said you know aside from the power plays, I would limit his ice time heavily. Like one the thing, I wish sure. the. I mean, that's the case. Let's go back and get Chara. Yeah, but Chara at this point is not any use on the power play. He's just not fast enough anymore either. And his shooting has gone downhill since he had that nasty hand injury and lost feeling in a couple of fingers. Okay. Um, but Subban has th- three whole goals. What? Subban has three whole goals this season. Just saying. Yeah. One thing I wish the NHL would do mm-hmm. 
is expand the game roster by one forward and one defenseman during the playoffs. So seven and thirteen versus twelve and six. Okay. And I think that that would allow for more specialist play and better play quality when there's player injuries. Okay. That's just me. I don't expect it to happen. Um, as for Besser, yes, please. Is, that's, that's all I have to say is yes, please. Is he uh, – well, I'm going to ask you a question because when we talk about players from Vancouver, he's not the name you usually spit out at me. No, but I've never stopped liking him. Okay, and uh, and liking a player is fine. I like Brock Besser as well. Uh, I'm, see, Brock Besser is listed as listed as a right wing, which is mm-hmm. one of the big ne- bigger needs. Assuming that you're if you if you're working on the assumption that Jake DeBrusque is not going to want to come back, and you could make it a one for one swap or something close to a one for one swap, I would do that. In a skinny minute. Even okay. as well as Jake DeBrusque has played recently, and the fact that I like Jake DeBrusque, always have, and think that his that there were off-ice worries that were driving his reduced play quality last year and the year before. Um, plus, I think the coaches... I'm not as an I'm not as enamored of the coaching in Boston as other people are. Yeah, you you and I are in lockstep on that one. Okay, but I, there's literally never been a reason to not like Brock Besser. Now, the only thing I is Brock that, Besser's Brock Besser's down performance yeah, wise. That whole team has been garbage since COVID started, with the exception of the one guy I won. <laughs> um that's your demco i mean yeah they're, they're they're they are having a kind of tough time of it i understand that now that said my preference more my strongest desire long term has been for them to get a 2c which would yes. mean Pedersen or horvat or miller I don't see Miller. I really don't see them trading Miller. I'm not. I, I, I don't understand why. Why not? Do, unless they have a unless they have a view of Miller being their their one C going forward, and then he's their guy, and he's going to play twenty plus minutes a night, and and that's fine because I think he's capable of it. I think he's deserving of it. But they're not paying him that way. They're not. They're not really paying anyone to be a number one center at the moment. Uh, Elias Pettersson gets $7,350,000. That's, there are a lot of two C's who are, there are two C's who are making that. As far as time on ice per game, uh, JT Miller is playing 2051. Yep. Um, Elias Patterson, 1806, Bo Horvat, 1951, and then Tyler Mott, who I keep, whose name keeps cropping up in the last two weeks as someone who's underrated. I'm going to hold judgment on that. I haven't focused on him during games. He's at 1411. I think Tyler so, Mott has underperformed since leaving Michigan. So 
if you're going to talk about players they can ill afford to give up, yes, 2051 is hard to justify leaving, moving out. I agree. So, but you're not making the playoffs. You should be a seller. I understand that it makes sense. And if you're talking about and and like with like with Calgary, you talk about players who are going to bring back or Dallas. You talk about players who are going to bring back the greatest return. Yes, I don't disagree with you there. But what's the one thing that every single team looks for when they're doing rebuilds? Leadership. When you can have leadership and performance in the same body for two or three more years, you should hold on to it. That's JT Miller. And that's why I don't think they're going to move him. And I don't think they need to do a hard rebuild where they sell off 25% of their, the top 30% of their roster. Um, But I think that they would be better off moving one to two players and getting one to two better known players and getting a fresh element or two into the room. I guess, I guess my, I guess my, I guess my biggest issue and and it's not against Brock Besser. I like Brock Besser. He's young. He's talented. Yeah, he's having a down year. The whole team is, you know, he's got good size. He's got, he plays the right wing. My problem is that he doesn't fix the problem. I didn't say he did. And I and I keep saying that their biggest need is for a 2C. I know. Which means Pedersen or Horvat. Of the two of them, I think that Horvat is probably a better fit in Boston. Even though Elias probably has slicker offensive skills. I think that Horvat is a better blend of like the Bergeron and Krejci molds with, I want to say slightly more size than Krejci, which isn't necessarily hard. Uh, Actually slightly bigger. He's, he's two fifteen, So he's actually bigger than Bergeron, which would be a nice change. I mean, Patterson is tall. He's six two. Well, he's listed no. at six two, but he only We're weighs one hundred and seventy two fifteen. Right, and Patterson is listed at six two and one hundred and seventy six pounds. Eat a sandwich, come on. Yeah, well, that's about the same weight that Krejci played at most of his career. Yes, but Krejci wasn't six two. No. Thank you. One hundred seventy six pounds. One hundred seventy six pounds on a five ten frame carries differently than it does on a six two frame. There is that, but of the two of them, without even seeing Patterson skate, which do you think is has a faster height, uh, top gear? No, Patterson is what fifteen years younger. I think Patterson was probably skating faster at fourteen than Frazier <laughs> was at the peak of his career. I mean, points wise. It's almost a wash. Horvat's got 37. Patterson's got 42. I mean, so you're not missing. You're not losing a whole lot in terms of production. But, yes, I think Horvat is a better all-round center than Patterson, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I Look, I've been... I've been on Horvat's uh, bandwagon forever. No, I know you have. Now, if there were a way to bring both Besser and Horvat to Boston <laughs> without breaking the team entirely. Wow, and you say that I'm dreaming about JT Miller. I said if. Uh, 
do I think there is? Not really. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's probably where I would be going. I'm not going to rule it out completely, but I'm going to go with not really. <laughs> uh, I mean, I mean, even even ignoring cap hit issues, because you're talking eleven, just under twelve million with, and that's before Besser's re-upped. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have, and then Horvat only has one more year on his contract. Um, I mean, I guess it, you have to ask yourself, what's Bergeron going to be doing two years from now? Actually, you have to ask yourself what Bergeron, what jersey Bergeron's going to be wearing next fall. Uh, thank you, Donnie. Next fall, Bruins jersey is the hope. I don't see him in another sweater. I don't know. If, I, I, do you see him in another sweater? Seriously? I didn't see Chara in another sweater after the Bruins. But Chara came to us from another team, so the 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 the, the precedent was already. He was the guy who brought the cup to town. He was the defenseman who won the Norris, who carried the tradition of Orr and Park and Bork and bringing and being that larger than life figure on the I, back end. I hope. I'm hoping that our illustrious GM. Oh, don't reckon, leave our don't leave our president of hockey operations out of it. And the president of hockey. I'm hoping that they can recognize that should they not keep number 37 in the spoke B, that there is a possibility of of having a, a lynching in the city of Boston. That's an overstatement, but it wouldn't surprise. I know me that they don't do. Act. I know that they don't do draw and quarter anymore because. But I Tarn think better? that they. I think drawn and quartered could be one of the old punishments that could be brought back if they were to allow Bergeron to go into another jersey. Another sweater, whatever you want to call them, and I would hope that Sweeney and and, uh, Neely recognize that because wow, yeah, no, it was one thing to not have Krejci back. I mean, okay, Krejci's been around forever, but Bergeron here since eighteen years old. I mean, no, I I think that they're wise. He was seventeen years old when he was seventeen. Yes, I think that they're. Maybe I'm giving them too much credit. I don't know. But I I don't have that much faith. Well, I don't have faith that the the GM is going to be able to pull off any moves of significance that are going to help this team. See, I don't think he's going to be allowed to, whether he has the uh, fortitude or not. What do you mean allowed to? His contract expires at the end of this season. Oh, that's right. We had this. Uh, we had this discussion as well. And are you going to allow him to keep steering the ship when he knows he's not going to be on it in four months? So you're going to allow the franchise to just coast quietly into the night until you get a new GM to come in. That's how it's done. Huh. Do that I think new, that, it's that new smart? GM that new GM better be really good, and it better be you know I don't know John Jacob, but anyway, um, 
I didn't say that out loud, did I? You you actually did say that out loud. Oh, damn. Um, so okay. we're in a hundred percent agreement. Besser, yes. Subban, no. I would go with that. I can I can I can cer- I can certainly see Besser, and, and and it would be nice to it would be interesting to see him on a line with. Marshawn. I mean, it doesn't matter who you put with Marshawn and Bergeron, or it almost doesn't matter. I mean, when they put Jake DeBrusque on that line, look what happened. I mean, okay. Points production. I mean, it, it's like a magic thing. You you get appointed to, you get a you get appointed to the the, well, two thirds Raptors line, and then boom. Hold you, on a sec. Hold on a sec. Just, just for the just for the sake of discussion. Okay. Given how given the chemistry between Hall and. Pasternak at the uh, right now. They've done really, yeah. I, I, that that if, has been fun to watch too. Assuming that it's prospects and DeBrusque who got moved for Besser and or whoever else you're thinking of putting into your top one of your top lines as right wing. Uh huh. Do you reform the Raptors line and put the put the other right wing with Hall and Halla, or do you put the new right wing with? Uh, with you know Superman and Batman. Um, well, it's it's clear that you don't have to have the big three all together. I can't use that other term that the hockey pundits use. The oh, Raptors yeah. line too. I can't use the other. Yeah, per yeah. Clearly, you don't have to, especially now that he's developed that chemistry with 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 Hall. And yeah, like I said, that's fun to watch. And I think that Hall's benefited from it as well. Oh, absolutely. He's been the two of them have is (laughs) it's stunning to watch guys that big. So they need it. So they need a center. The Raptors line needs a right wing. Okay. If you bring in a Besser. I think you have to put him on the top. If you put him down on the third line. No, that coil line is playing way too well at the moment. Right. So if you bring in a Besser, you have to put him on the top line because you don't. To simplify, we get Besser and we get Horvat and we gave up Halla and DeBrusque and a prospect. Well, now you fill both you fill both holes on the top two lines. But how are you arranging those two top two lines? Is it are you reforming the Raptors and letting the two Canucks uh, former Canucks play together with Hall, or are you leaving Hall with? Are you leaving each line with only one person, new person to get used to? I think I'm I think I'm putting Besser on the top line and Horvat in between Hall and and Pasternak. That's how I would start it. I would give them I would give them six or seven games before I made a change. Yep. Now on to the next one. Um, put up a couple of polls this week, and the first one, uh, as I retweeted it uh, a couple of days later, absolutely disrespectful voting. Shame on all of you. Um, I really need to hear justification on this. Um, Assuming availability, which defenseman would you rather add to your tre- team at the deadline? The t- the votes were no. Which wait wait wait. Which tweet was which one was this? The default the the defenseman poll. Yes. Oh, okay. PK Subban, Rasmus Ristolainen, Jacob Chikrin, or Mark Giordano. 
Which one, one of these guys you... most recently won a, is the one who most recently won a Norris. That would be Giordano. Yes, but according to the results, he got he got zero percent of the votes of the votes, and yes. that's obnoxiously ridiculous. I think I, the I think the thing that's scaring people away might be his age. Don't care. Didn't say he I skate, didn't. I, I'm, he, look, he still skates better than PK Subban at this point. Yes. Fact, not opinion. As much as I like Ristolainen, if you're asking me, do I want a former Norris Trophy winner? Who's been who's shown leadership every uh, wherever he's been, or a guy who's not even seen the playoffs yet going into the playoffs? That takes care of the discussion between Ristolainen and Giordano. Now Chikrin, Chikrin has the most miles in front of him of all of these players, so I understand some votes for him. Well, he also has term on his contract, so you're not going to be losing him at the end of. He's not a rental. And but, at his yeah. age, at his age, I would not want him to be a rental. That's uh, my vote. If I were to vote in one in our polls, and I don't, but if I were to vote, I would be stuck between Chikrin and Giordano. Those would be uh, that's where I would be. And Chikrin, I forgot, actually has one playoff run because he was in the pretend offs a couple of days, a couple of years ago. Yes. And he scored one goal in his and had one point in his nine games. Wow. But wow. beyond that, he has not seen the playoffs since he was wearing a Sarnia Sting jersey. <sighs> yeah, I I can't even with that. So you're Giordano 100%. There's nothing that draws you towards Chickburn. For a playoff run? For a playoff run, I can see it, yes. But I don't know. I, when I make term, these deals, I, I look term, forward. I don't just. For the long term, Chikrin is probably a better bet. If you want to get Bergeron, if you want to get your, say you're, forget Boston, say you're Pittsburgh and you want to get another cup into the hands of Crosby and Malkin and Latang before they go. Are you really taking Chikrin over Giordano for that? No. Mm, yeah. Say now on Washington, I might go Chikrin because the one thing that need that team needs is a shot of adrenaline. They are yeah. mentally old more than they even more than they are physically old. They just don't have it. They looked exhausted by the thirty-five game mark last year, and this year. They're slightly better. With the exception of, you know, that number eight guy. Ovechkin's not even human. Like, (laughs) he's he's a bloody cyborg who was built in the year 24-28, and he was shipped back here uh, to play hockey and bring glory. Bloody something. The man has as much gray hair as I do. I I just don't get it. Um, The other poll... And this one I honestly laughed at more. Um, well, this this one, this is the one I did see, and I will say that I completely agree with, well, pretty damn close anyway. 
other poll, which of these teams will make the least impactful slash useful trade between now and the NHL trade deadline? Toronto Maple Leafs, Boston Bruins, Edmonton Oilers, or Chicago Blackhawks? Actually, the odd part is now I'm questioning whether I would have picked Edmonton. <sighs> See, I I would have... I'm thinking Toronto. I would have picked Toronto because they're probably going to... Well, I think they're, they're, they're I think going, Toronto and Edmonton are likely to do the same sort of thing and add going, a wait. scoring forward. I was going to say, they're both going to add either A, another forward who can score, or B, a defenseman who, well... There's a reason why the other team is trading that defenseman away. Yeah. Um, Although in Edmonton, in the case against Edmonton getting it, they already added their their scoring forward without um, in Evander Kane without giving anything up. Yeah, that was a brilliant move. Hello. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I would have voted Toronto, even though my heart says Boston. Um, well, that's just the fact that we happen to know the GM here. Yeah. yeah. And what he is or isn't capable of doing or willing to do. Wait, wait. You brought up Evander Kane. So what has Evander Kane done since he's joined the? <clears throat> I think he's. I thought so we said since earlier he's eight and twelve. Since he's joined, no, no, no. Eight and twelve was somebody else. Since he's joined the Edmonton Oilers, he's played in twenty games. He has oh wait, eight goals, seven assists, fifteen total points. He is a plus nine and still has 22 penalty minutes. So not only is he big, physical, he can score. He can. <laughs> and I do believe he plays close to 20 minutes a night. I think it's like around 18 or 19 or something like that. Um, yeah. Oops. <laughs> could, the, um, could, could, the, could the spoke be of used a player like that? Nah, we didn't know. One interesting story that both of us saw earlier this week, and we are going to need to keep it uh, moving quickly. That's all and right. I still think it's a. I still think it's a joke. But that's both right. of us thought it was a joke. Apparently, it's not. Hurricanes are expected to sign Kotkanemi to an eight-year deal. This is the gentleman that they gave up a whole bunch of picks for to sign on an offer sheet, and has produced like a third or fourth line center um, and been paid 6.1 a year. Well, this year they, I, I understand that they did it as a message or jokingly or what. Yeah. And it, it was directed at Montreal. I get it because of the whole thing with Sebastian Ajo. I think this may have come back to bite them in the butt a little bit because oh, there's now no may have, because now you're paying him 33 games. Now you're paying him third line center money. At least. I mean, six point one. you're paying him six point one million dollars. Right. But that six point one million dollar qualifying offer sheet that they signed him to has now come back to bite them because now they have to give him this eight year 30 something million dollar deal in order to avoid giving him another qualifying offer of $6.1 million to keep him. Well, that's the thing. If they don't qualify him at the end of the season or at, or when, if they don't qualify him, he goes to, and he doesn't file for, uh, and he doesn't file for arbitration. He's a free agent. Someone else 
will pay him three and a half million to go pay to go play there. Mm-hmm. And they they have gotten not nearly enough out of their sign in uh, out of their uh, deal. So the report from Puckpedia, and this is this references earlier stories from uh, Frank Cervelli and others. The report is, excuse me, 4.82, and yes, he wears number 82, um, for eight years uh, with the Canes. And that's, uh, I think that's hefty for a third or fourth line center. If they're expecting him to mature into a second line center, maybe. I mean, that would be a little low for number two, but I don't love this deal. Really don't. I mean, he's taken up 7.5% of this year's cap space to produce seven goals. They're playing him, they're playing him as a bottom six forward. I mean, from everything I've heard, he seems to like the place. They seem to like him. They seem to. I hope they like him. They paid a bunch for him. But I don't know if this is the first brick or the first domino to fall in the Carolina Hurricanes reverting to the punching bag of most of the league for years. Cause I don't know that this is a good deal. His offer sheet was not a good deal. Period. It was a great story, but it was not a good deal. I don't know if they were expecting, I don't know if they were expecting Montreal to come back and, and match it because I mean, they purposely picked that dollar amount because they knew that Montreal, in order to match it, would have to move on somebody else. So there wasn't yes. really – I mean, I, I don't understand why they did it because, yes, now it has handcuffed them. So it's come back to bite them. And Montreal is going to be the one turning around and laughing, even though they're not having a strong season. Yeah, but they got a couple of good draft picks for giving up a player that they weren't going to pay that much anyways, and who has been eminently replaceable. Yeah. Um, I, I think that Montreal mm. has clearly won that. Ooh, excuse me. Montreal, Montreal clearly won that, uh, that deal. I'd be inclined to agree. Yeah. At least at this point, unless Kotkin Yemi suddenly turns into an offensive juggernaut which I don't see happening. It doesn't appear to be his style. We opened the show talking about Johnny Calgary flames. Yep. And now we're going to talk a little bit more about that part of the world. Last night, a young man who you're going to hear about in two years for the draft and maybe even a year and a half from now, uh, broke a record held by Theon Fury, uh, Fleury, as for most goals by a 16-year-old for the uh, Calgary Moose Jaw. I saw the goal. It's a nice goal. Moose Jaw Warriors. Moose Jaw Warriors, sorry. No, I'm just looking. I'm looking up. His name is Braden Yeager. Braden Yeager. 
and he's not a small boy. I'm going to say for a six, for a 16 year old, Hockey DB has him listed at six feet, 161 pounds. Okay, eat a sandwich or two. But at 16 years old, that's that's not pretty, bad. That's a pretty good starting point. And they have it has him listed at 17, so it looks like he had a birthday back in January. Uh yes. Uh, well, 16-year-old season is how I believe uh, the league's track. Oh, okay. He started okay. the year at 16. Right, right, right. Um, 53 games played, 29 goals, 51 points. Not hugely physical, but that's okay. Uh, still a plus 15. And what is he... He is third on the Moose Jaw with uh, it with 51 points behind Ryder, Korzak, and Jager Perkis. Jager is already. Uh, Jager Perkis is from. is actually from Alberta. I think his size might, ham- might hamper his draft prospects, but uh, with 71 points in 57 games. He's probably going to get drafted if he can manage those numbers again, uh, even though he weighs 150 pounds. I think it. I think the. I think the kicker is the goal that he's the the goal that this young man scored to tie Theo Fleury's record. Yeah, was a shorty. Yep. <laughs> to tie the record, it was a shorty. So clearly, he plays on the penalty kill. Oh, Jaeger's name, we're going to hear. We're going to hear that name. He's, he will, his name will be in all of the draft books in two years' time. Watching videos of him, he, he's a, he, he got a, he got a, not the fastest as far as first step type jump, but he does a straight line speed. He's got it. Um, Physical enough that he, can take the puck away and seems to uh, he's a, he can he, you know he's able to hold on hold on to the puck. Mm. Yeah, he's he looks like he's going to be a lot of fun to watch over the next couple of years. Um, whether he goes straight to the NHL or not is of course anyone's guess. There's a lot of time left. Um, whether he goes, I mean, I know he's playing up in the dub. There's a small chance he would take uh, the college route uh, and play there, but okay. I suspect, yeah, we're going to hear his name at the NHL draft. Uh, not this year, but probably. I think he's he's an 04, so probably he's an 05. Oh right, uh, Jaeger. Yeah. You're right. He is an 05. January January 05. Um, but. He's going to get called. I suspect if I were going to throw a number out, uh, I would say somewhere in the second round. Uh, second round? Second round. I mean, it, it, he's under a point per game. Yes, he's a center. Yeah. But he's under a point per game at this point. Is he doing well? Yeah. Yeah, he is. Eligible for and on a team with three. And he's doing it on a team where the scoring isn't being carried by the overagers. I mean, Damon Hunt is 19. Um, 
Uh, Majid Kadura is 20. He's on the back end. I'll give you credit for that one. There are some names even I won't try. <laughs> uh, Cordell Larson, another overager. Uh, he's only played 14 games, but he's had 11 points in those. Um, he's, oh my, another not especially large guy at 5'9 and 165 pounds. <laughs> um, that said... I would say eat a sandwich, but that's not going to help the height. <laughs> At age 20, he's probably not going to put on that much weight. Uh, not until he hits like his mid-30s. <laughs> then it will be the wrong guy. To... Yeah, then, yeah, then, okay. Yeah, that's true. Um, it, it's, it, I, this... This kid seems to be worth watching. I'm going to have to keep him on the on the radar here. Absolutely. And I'm going to ask a question right now. Okay. And I'm going to put a poll up on it this week. Okay. And the two of us are going to discuss it next week. Okay. Uh, we wanted to, I want to do a – we haven't done any regular dis- debate section – sessions or uh, segments in the last year or so oh, here. I thought we debated all the time. Well, we debate every story because we do, <laughs> but I want to give time for us to both gather some stats and for our listeners to weigh in. Okay. Here's the question. Write it down. We're going to beat each other up over it uh, with facts over a few minutes next week. If you traded them one for one, uh, which player would have a bigger impact on their new team? I'm going to start with a couple of players that everyone should be familiar with. And we w- when we do it again, maybe less, obs- maybe a little bit less well-known players. Uh, it'll d- depend on which of us is picking the players. Mm-hmm. One is Connor McDavid. I think people have heard of him. No idea. And the other is Brad Marchand, who I think people have heard of. And for the sake of discussion, we're going to be doing it for a two-year period from the time of the trade. Which player is going to have a bigger impact on their new team? So Brad to Edmonton, Connor to Boston for a two-year period. Wow, you're training them straight up. That's pretty good. This is I don't I don't see Edmonton making that deal. World. Oh, I was gonna say I don't see Ken Holland making that deal, but okay. There are very good reasons to make that trade if you can. I'm not saying there aren't. I'm both saying I don't see Ken Holland doing it. Most GMs would most GMs probably would not trade McDavid straight up for anybody. I understand that, but we're going to discuss it anyways. Okay, fair enough. Um, and that, ladies and gentlemen, boys, girls, undeclareds and undecideds, uh, is where we leave you. Have a great week. Uh, the trade deadline is rapidly approaching. If yes, you see is. a fantastic rumor, a ridiculous rumor, a fun rumor, a weird trade, let us know. You can hit me at Puck Sage and Chris. At the off wing. Take care.